0: I know how frustrated and how um, downright
1: resentful
0: I had become of my sewing machine.
1: Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Make and Decorate, episode 29. So we are again in a new month. Happy June. And I hope that the weather is tapering down from its turbulent spring, storms, tornadoes, flooding, everything. It's just been really crazy. But summer is upon us, and we're in the season of graduations, Uh, students and teachers uh, getting out for summer break, vacations are going to be starting, and um, we're all going to head outdoors for the summer activities um, for everyone here in the Northern Hemisphere. And I finally got flowers um, last weekend. uh, They're not planted yet because we've been having so much rain, but I'm excited about that to get those going. And um, what else is going on here? Uh, Okay, so entering June, I made a to make list um, for June, and I've got to make some stuff for my road trip coming up in July. And I want to make, um, I, of course, my list is like completely over ambitious, and I know I'm not going to get it all done. So then from that list, I narrowed it down to my top three. And if I get those done, great. Then I can work on maybe something else on the list. The top thing is um, knit pajamas for myself. And I just got the fabric today. Uh, it's really cool. Um. It's Katarina Rochella, and um, it's called Pixel Fly Eden Knit in Lavender, and it's by Art Gallery Fabrics. It's really pretty. It's got like a lavender background, and then it has um, sketched flowers in, you know, black outline, and they're all filled in with just white. And then Um, butterflies are placed here and there on the flowers, and the butterflies are in full color. It's really beautiful. I love it. And um, I just pre-washed it. It's in the dryer. Uh, So, because... I it's just crazy the ready-made pajamas are just either they don't pre-shrink or the fabric is is too inexpensive and the quality is poor but it just you know it starts off at the right length and then after you wash it once or twice or you know three times it just keeps shrinking and then and then the pant legs are like all the way above your your ankles (laughs) And it just drives me bananas. So I'm making my own pajamas. And I've made pajama pants before. But I'm making the full set. So like the top and the bottoms. And it's a five out of four pattern. And it's called the Molly Pajamas. So that'll be the first time I make that pattern. And um, what I like about this pattern, because I've read through the entire pattern, And it looks easy enough. I'll probably use my serger for a lot of it. Um, But I like how they break down the yardage so that you can make it interesting um, by using contrast fabrics if you want or... um, for instance, um, if the, the collar, the neckband, if you wanted to do that in a different fabric, they, they give you a little yardage, like a quarter of a yard. And they give separate yardage for the sleeves if you want those different um, and the body of the top. So I really like that because um, I, I don't have to try to guess and figure out what that's going to be. So I'm looking forward to that. And the other thing I want to make is a dog bed for um, my Cooper. And uh, he's got plenty of dog beds here, but I, I want it to fit in the car um, in the back seat because he's coming with us on our road trip. He's such a good travel dog. Ever since we had him, um, we've had him for, well, he's four years old now, and we got him when he was uh, uh, 12 weeks old. And um, he has, he's loved the car and we take him everywhere. We take him as many places as we can and he loves it and he's really good he went through three obedience classes so he's very well behaved and uh yeah so i found a really cool airbnb that accepts dogs and um so i'm gonna make a bed that will fit it's a rectangle shape and i've made this before these this kind of dog bed it's really easy Uh, the third thing is a yarn minder bag and this pattern is by so sweetness It is a tall cylinder-shaped bag made out of fabric, and um, there's an option where you can put four grommets on the top, and it's a zipper um, top lid, Uh, and you could put grommets so that you can pull the yarn through them and crochet or knit um, right from there which is really cool. And then, of course, there's pockets on the outside for storage for your tools, like crochet hooks or knitting needles. And um, so, yeah, I've got I've to have that done if I want to bring all this yarn with me to try to make those hexies for the um, hexagon afghan. So those are my top three. So let's hope I get those done, and I only have a month <laughs> to get them done. All right, so those are my projects for June all right, and then this is just my little reminder for everyone to if you haven't already to subscribe, rate, review if you have iTunes, or if another platform allows you to rate and review the podcast, I would be very appreciative for that and now, let's get into my chat with Leah Day. Leah Day is a quilter she's um a pattern designer, an author. Uh, a teacher and a business owner. So, uh, we have a really great conversation on all of those topics and um, what's coming up for her uh, in the upcoming months. I'm so excited to welcome Leah Day. Hello, my quilting friends. Hello. To my, my podcast today. Yay. Hello,
0: <laughs> my quilting friends.
1: <laughs> welcome, my quilting friend Leah. Woohoo. <laughs> I am so excited you're here. So Leah, I just, I, I think out, every time I, I just, I can't assume that everybody knows who you are. So I am going to have you share your story of just when did you first recognize your creative side? And not just with sewing and quilting, but um, I think that sewing and quilting comes from any creative like activity that we've we've done that led us to that point. So what was yours? Uh,
0: Well, I grew up creating. And you know, I was the kid that had a really messy desk in school. I was always cutting up paper and playing. It's just, for me, it was just a natural thing to always have my hands busy and to be fiddling with stuff and I was the youngest and so if I could kind of find myself a corner and be playing with something then I would get in less trouble (laughs) (laughs) for all of those reasons and then you know I didn't have access to fabric but I, I what access I did have I learned how to sew at a very early age um what I mostly did when I was really little was I folded Uh, paper and did origami and I learned that from a woman at my church and she taught me how to make a very basic origami box and um, that was actually my first business was in first grade and I made up some boxes and I just had them on my desk and some kids wanted them and so I started selling boxes for like five ten cents a piece And that doesn't seem like a very big thing, but that, um, that changed my life in a lot of ways. I sold those boxes and I can remember the day that I opened up my Hello Kitty pencil box and I had Mm -hmm. enough change and it was like nickels and dimes all, you know, it was very small change, Uh, but I added it all up and I had enough for pizza and ice cream. And it, you know, I was a kid that carried my lunchbox every day. That was a very, very, very big deal. I cannot say how big of a deal I was like, ah, Oh, my gosh, I could buy lunch, <laughs> you know, and from from that age, from like six or seven, I was like, I want to make stuff and sell it. And so it was you know, already at that time, I'm, you know, creating something, I'm making something, but then I want to either give it as a gift, or I want to sell it, or, you know, I was it was always kind of going in that direction, then from a very early age.
1: Oh, wow, that's really great. Talk about then getting older and um, how you started like leading up to Leah Day quilting. Yeah. How how did that even happen?
0: So, you know, it's easy to say that it was, it was like, you know, from first grade, I built this (laughs) and that's not true at all. I mean... You know, the number of times that I've been told there's no money in this or, you know, you can't do it that way or, you know, you're not going to be able to make a living. I can't count the number of times I've heard that um, I I did everything the normal way. I went to high school. I went to college. I um, I was pursuing a degree in biology and I reached about the second. Oh, technically, I was a sophomore, but I was starting my third year of college. I had met my future husband. We were dating and he had already graduated, and I was seeing his life. Um, you know, I'd, we were living together in a small apartment, and Josh was, you know, being able to, like, sleep till, like, eight o'clock in the morning, and then get up and work on the computer. And he was working from our apartment, and I was so jealous of that. And then I was also going going to school and doing these super long labs with biology, and just going, I don't want to do this. I really, really don't want to do this. I don't need this degree. Um, and I was really frustrated and, and kind of, upset about that and finally got honest with myself and said you know I want to do the crafts that I you know have been doing my whole life and, and for like the chunk of uh, middle school to high school I'd really focused in on beadwork and specifically seed beadwork which is the like itsy bitsy tiny little beads um, and as soon as I got to college that wasn't really working for me anymore I'd really transitioned over to sewing uh, I really wanted to learn how to quilt but I did not managed to figure that whole nine yards out until Josh and I were getting married and then I wanted a double wedding ring I was like I want a double wedding ring we're getting married I've got to have a double wedding ring for my bed and of course I got started with like leftover fabric from my wedding dress which is the worst kind of fabric ever to try and make a double wedding ring out of (laughs) yeah that ended up in the trash it did not play out Uh, but you know, it got me into quilting. I joined the guild. I started learning. I started taking workshops. Uh, I just, I started from absolute ground zero and I finally understood, wow, here's a craft that I can't learn from a book. You know, I taught myself how to knit, how to crochet, how to do beadwork. All of that I learned from books that I got usually at, you know, um, Goodwill and and kind of thrift stores and stuff like that. Uh, Usually they were the books that were outdated information. I didn't know that at the time. They were outdated information, so people were getting rid of them. Uh, You know, most of my quilting books still had cutting things out with templates. And this was the day of, you know, rotary cutters had already become a thing. So uh, finally, right, you know, right before our wedding, I got a new rotary cutter. And I'm going to learn this. I had a mat that was about this big. It was like 18 inches by six inches wide. It was the world's (laughs) tiniest cutting mat. Um, but it got me into it. It got me started quilting. And from the beginning, I knew I wanted to turn that into a business. I I wanted to figure out some way of making a living with it. Now what that was and how, what that would eventually become, I had no idea in the beginning, no earthly clue. And um, and I have journal, you know, I've been going back and, and kind of rereading back through old journals and stuff. And I'm finding, you know, kind of the documented process. I'm like, I, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how. You know, I'm struggling with that a lot. Um, but it was good because asking that question over and over and over again, eventually I found the answer. And I found it while I was working on a really important quilt, uh, and that was release your light, and this is a, a massive goddess quilt. And that quilt was, you know, kind of inspired by that idea of tapping into creative energy and releasing it with the world. And while I was working on it, I hit kind of a design rut. I was quilting stippling, which is a very traditional free motion quilting filler design, and I was quilting at a very dense scale to make it micro stippling. And I was bored to tears with stippling. I had learned one other design and that was McTavishing. And Mm -hmm. I had stitched it to death and back again. And I was (laughs) bored to tears with it too. And then I was reaching a point where I was like, I I felt like I need more designs. And I felt like I, you know, I need need to change this up. And I knew two other designs. I knew pebbling and paisley, but they didn't really fit design wise. You know, these were kind of curvy shapes and this was a flaming quilt. I needed to be on fire. So I was whining about this to a friend and she was like, well, why don't you just take that Paisley design and change it into a flame shape? And I remember looking at her going, is that allowed? allowed? (laughs) Am I allowed to do that? She's like, looked at me like I had two heads. Of course it's allowed, Leah. So I changed up the design. I turned it into what I call flame stitch now, stitched on the quilt, finished it up and throughout that entire ending process. And that was not a short process. It was at least another month of quilting. And then I painted the entire surface of that quilt. So it was a long time of tedious, meticulous work left to go. But throughout that entire time, I thought about that design and I thought about how easy it was to create. And I thought about, wow, you know, it created a totally different texture and I really needed that. And I really liked that. And I'm curious now. I want to know how many other designs and textures I can create. I don't know if anybody else is interested in that. I have no idea if that's even a thing. Um, but why don't I just try it? And and so the challenge, the idea for challenging myself to create 365 new free machine quilting designs, that's where it came from. Uh, because it wasn't just like, oh, I want to make five or I want to make ten. It was, it was a challenge. I was like, I want to challenge myself. To come up with as many as I possibly can. Um, Josh and I had uh, gotten married, and we had a baby, and James was uh, 18 months old at the time. And of course, you know, in that state of kind of being a new mom and and uh, you know, very young. You know, I look back on it now. I'm like, oh my god, I was so young. I was 24 years old, 25 years old. Um, I I really. I just wanted the excuse to quilt all day. And it was so hard to make that happen, you know, with everything that was going on. It was like, you know, feed the baby and then play with the baby. And then, oh, it's time for a nap. But then, you know, I was like, okay, I need to go like check my email or something. I was making excuses not to quilt instead of doing the thing that I wanted to do most. And so I thought having this challenge would really force me to get serious about this and to quilt every single day and to scratch those design itches. And it did all of that and more. And it also built my business. Uh, so I started the blog, the Free Motion Quilting Project. I started sharing new designs. I stayed with uh, every sharing a design every single day for the first 80 days And then uh, I kind of hit a cliff of, oh, my gosh, this is so much work. I can't do it. Because in addition to that, as soon as I started the blog, it was around on day 14 or so, people started asking for books. They started asking for DVDs. They didn't want to just have it online. They wanted to have it in their homes. And so, you know, all of a sudden, in a matter of a very short space of time, I had demand for products. And I had demand for a business that didn't exist yet. And I had to build it in a very short space of time. Uh, And also my husband was kind of, we were already looking at his job and going, okay, that's probably not going to last because it was 2009 and the recession and a whole nine yards. So it was almost immediately. It was, we need to build this as fast as possible. So it will support us. And that was a massive amount of pressure to put on anything. And especially with a young child too, I kind of feel bad about that, but on the other side of it, it's like, you know, you do what you you do, you know, um, you have to respond to the pressures of your life and do the best that you can. And so we built a business together and Josh came on board in 2010. Uh, and he is my wingman and just about everything. He does all of the customer service, the order fulfillment through leahday.com. That's my website. Uh, so he answers questions and he packs the orders and he does all of the shipping uh, he does a lot of website maintenance and that kind of stuff. And then, um, he edits a good number of my videos. <laughs> so it's kind of, art. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, so it's kind of a partnership there. And then my dad came on and started working for us in 2014 and he does all fabric preparation. So I am still in that, you know, I am very picky. My fabric has to be washed and starched and pressed before I cut it out and make a quilt out of it. And so that is dad. Yeah. You're producing enough that it actually is worth, you know, paying someone to handle that whole beginning side of it. And then dad also does digitizing and some computer work as far as illustrator and stuff, designing and drawing and stuff for me too.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. That's really nice. Wow. This is, I, I, you know, I've heard you, um, you know, on other podcasts and do your story, but I don't think I ever knew that your business really came about um, through this 365 day new quilting designs oh, yeah. and just from your blog. Yeah, yeah, it was the, you know, I had wanted to be like
0: maybe a traveling teaching kind of lecturer. That was mm-hmm. my initial idea. And I had, I think, three nice quilts at the time, you know, like, oh, look at this. You know, I made I made a whole cloth, I made a ribbon or two with it. I'd made this uh, big got- got- goddess quilt that was really impressive, but I didn't have very much more. I didn't have a body of work, really. And no one knew my name at all. Like, you know, I was just this young chick that was going, hey, can you, like, have me come and speak for your guild and pay? And they were like, no, no, little girl. I really don't want you to come, you know, make more quilts and be more impressive. And so, you know, it was, it was really funny. Once I got started with the Free Mission Quilting cool Project and I started sharing videos, all of a sudden the demand rushed in you know, all of a sudden people were, you know, emailing me, uh, you know, I remember that first month I had a, a query from Jamaica, which was so amazing. So like, oh, mm-hmm. you want me to go to Jamaica? I didn't end up going. <laughs> um, because almost as soon as that happened, I realized, wait a minute, I need to stay home. I've got to make these videos. This is an enormous amount of work. And, you know, uh, I think I started the project with seven designs. And I quickly realized I need to be working a lot further ahead, as in months, if not, you know, I really wish I'd started with all 365 done. I did not, mm-hmm. not by a long shot. And so, uh, you know, getting started with, you know, it was a scramble. It was a struggle mm-hmm. um, and lot of long working days just to kind of catch up and get a, you know, get a base under my feet. And then, like I said, the demand, you know, where is the book? Where is the DVD? Mm-hmm. You don't want to tell somebody I don't, you need to wait a year for that. You know, you want to kind of give them something at the very beginning. So almost immediately I started working on my first book and my first DVD and that kind of stuff. And, you know, so we made it work and did the best we could. And then uh, from there, I pretty much decided to stick with self-publishing uh, and wrote, I kind of discontinued those very first product products within that first year and wrote my first kind of official book, and you can still find it on Amazon. And that is free motion quilting from Daisy to Paisley, and wrote that the following summer. And that's when I kind of I've started I started really focusing in on free motion quilting fillers became kind of my main thing. And that was absolutely straight up from from the free motion quilting project.
1: Oh, was your very first quilt a double wedding ring? Is yeah. that what you said? Oh, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I pieced it. I did. I pieced four rings of a double wedding ring and then that was it.
1: Oh, okay. It, it ended
0: up in the trash. Um, yeah, that was it. The my All right. finished quilt was a nine
1: patch. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, that was my first quilt too, a nine patch. Yeah. All right, awesome uh so then that's a that's great and i think it's wonderful that you um you know have the the work environment that you do and you're, you and your husband work well together and now your dad's joined the business and um i just uh I, I feel like you know listening to your podcast too and you talk about your your day in and day out with that working environment and it it seems like you know, it really fulfills you. And, and that's, what's the most important thing, I think, about um, running a business for yourself is, you know, I some people just want to, like, shoot up to this stardom and be famous or whatever that's not me but my 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 whole thing more is like i need to be fulfilled i need to be challenged and creative and i am an introvert like you so that's why i like to do the youtube videos too <laughs> uh,
0: well i mean here's the here's the thing and this is you know something
1: that someone that isn't a professional
0: might not be aware of and that is uh, in quilting the quilting industry is so huge and there are so many things that you can do with it and there are so many things that you mean, you can get on the road and you can be on the road every single week if you're successful and and build a brand and a name for yourself you can be on the road and traveling all over the world every single week of the year and it will chew you up and spit you out very quickly and i mm-hmm. i have seen it happen and it's very sad because uh you've got to know how to say no and you've got to know what your limits are. And I didn't know that at the beginning. The first several years of my business were spent, hey, let's try this. Oh, did that work? Not really. Oh, let's try this. Oh, did that work? Not really. Or, hey, let's try this. And and we went from there. And it was all a matter of learning and experiencing. And no, you can't know what's for you. You know, is quilt market successful? I don't know. You got to kind of try it out and see if it works for you. And then take that experience and say, okay, here's what I experienced You know, we lost a lot of money or here's this experience. We made a lot of money and go from there. You know, there's no um, there's no single plan, but I can definitely tell you for me, at least if I got on the road and started traveling and teaching every single week, I would not be a happy camper. It would not mean be, either. Yeah, make, I'm with it you. It would not make me feel fulfilled. I although I do absolutely love getting in front of people. I absolutely love lecturing. I mean, it does mm-hmm. give me that boost that I do occasionally need. You know, sometimes when I'm mm-hmm. working alone and filming alone uh, and kind of stuck in my own kind of groove for too long, I do get down. And you know, and a lot of that is just I need that kind of energy boost of something exciting. And that's a large reason why I started my podcast. Um, Hello, my quilting friends. And that was I was feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. I was was feeling really lonely. I I was wanting an excuse to start conversations with people where it was like, I'm curious about this person. I really want to get to know them better. I really want to become their friend. But it's kind of hard. Yeah, when you're an adult to be like, Hey, can we be friends? <laughs> you know, and I'm not I know, deeper, you know, or like yeah like um the ugly girl at the prom or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, who wants to be friends with her? You know, yeah. and so making the podcast was one of the best mm-hmm. things I did. I started that in two thousand sixteen. I'm so so happy that I did because it totally cured me of feeling lonely. Uh, I have something I can share and, and put out, you know, and I shoot a little introduction and share what's going on around the house. And I'm usually doing something actively. Like two weeks ago, I was painting my rabbit hutch. Uh, So I'm actively outside doing something in the yard. And uh, that is, it's great. It makes me feel like I'm sharing my real life, not just the pretty perfect image that is so easy. And at this point, very easy for me to portray. Mm -hmm. There is a messy behind the scenes that I think is so much more interesting and should be shared too. Uh, I can make it look perfect or I can show you the reality.
1: And so I like, I like both. Yeah. I, and I appreciate that about your podcast and you do your podcast uh, via video as well. So we can actually see, Um, I remember this one podcast you did not too long ago where you were actually like working on drafting some sort of a pattern onto, um, freezer paper or something, or trace paper. But yeah, so that was cool. I really enjoy, I always enjoy watching and listening to your podcasts. <laughs> it's always something different every week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So um, let's move on to machine quilting. Um, you already talked about how you learned. On that, how long did it take you to notice a marked improvement in your skills? Because I think not only me, but a lot of people are interested in this and are insecure about their own progress in machine quilting. And sometimes it stops them from even doing it and enjoying it.
0: Yeah. Well, um, perspective of time. um, The first thing is to quilt all of your own quilts because that's, that's the major reason why the skill isn't being built. Um, Because if you are piecing lots of quilts, then your piecing skill is improving with each quilt. Okay. So let's kind of think of scales. Uh, you know, like uh, I'm a Libra, so, you know, the, the you know, the, the scales kind of are always coming to mind. So if you increase your piecing skills and piece lots of quilts, then obviously that scale is going to be so much higher. Uh, and that, you know, if you want to think of video games, then your, your piecing meter is really high. Um, but your quilting meter is super, super low. You, if you quilt all of the quilts that you piece, then obviously you are gaining that much more skill With every single quilt that you make and you complete take all the way to completion all by yourself and i don't care what style of quilting you're doing and that could be hand quilting walking foot quilting free motion quilting ruler foot quilting all with the home sewing machine you have so many different things that you can do with the home sewing machine all of it's good i used to be really stuck up about walking foot quilting and kind of oh why would i want to mess with that it's so slow and it took me years and listening to my, you know, quilters, that beginner quilters that were getting started and I was saying, Oh, well let's just free motion quilt in the ditch and they were like, That's really hard, Leah. I don't <laughs> wanna do it that way. And they were basically um anarching. <laughs> they, they were saying, not doing it, grabbing my walking foot, you can't tell me what to do And so finally I looked at it and said, Okay, fine, I'll try walking foot quilting too. Um grab my walking foot, put it on. I was like, yeah, you know what? Actually, they're right. is so much easier. (laughs) So that forced me to stop being stuck up about it. I then ended up writing a whole book on walking foot quilting because it made me curious about that style and really dig into it and learn more about it. So I'd say don't get a chip on your shoulder about anything. Keep your world as open as possible. Any style goes and any machine goes, which means don't also get hung up about long arm quilting because that's easy to do too. Uh, For a long time, I just shut the door on long-arm quilting. I just decided I can't afford that. I don't have space for it. You know, the list was endless. And so rather than get curious about it and allow myself to be curious about it, I just slammed the door shut on it Mm -hmm. and said, that's not for me. And that's really unfortunate because then what I ended up happening is I got really frustrated and every quilt took a million years to finish and I... Uh, was quilting everything to death with one single style of quilting you know like basically you know super puffy trapunto and then really dense filler designs and everything took years i was completing maybe one quilt a year uh through uh, pretty much 2009 to 2013 ish maybe even longer it was taking me a very very long time to make anything and uh you know and like it was it was entirely down to that opinion that kind of sp- Sorry, stuck up mentality. (laughs) And finally, I got you know kind of got over myself and said, "You're allowed to be curious about this." And uh, and then I also had some advice from some other professional quilters. They said, "Look, you know, we know this quilter and that quilter, and they stayed on home sewing machines their entire career, and now they're in their 60s and their back is shot, or their shoulders are shot, you know, and that this could actually be impacting your health." And I had been struggling with some really bad, intense headaches for a couple years there and finally said, you know, wow, here's a, you know, real world experience. This could actually be having a detrimental effect on my life and my livelihood. And I need a change. I really do need to change this up. Um, so uh, from there, you know, started researching long arms. I rented time at a, on a long arm at my local quilt shop. And that answered a lot of questions for me. It helped me finish some quilts on a deadline that I had to get done with. And all of a sudden I connected, wow, I can put a quilt on a long arm and have it done in a day. Actually, more than that, I can put a quilt on a long arm. I can finish it in an hour. Wow. I, that was a level of speed that, that I had never seen before, never touched, never had any uh, capacity to understand before I started getting into that. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, this isn't a level playing field. So I, as far as the skill goes, as far as how much time it takes to build it, um, If you quilt your own quilts, I'd say within five quilts, you're gonna be seeing a marked improvement in your piecing. You're gonna see a marked improvement in your quilting. How long it takes to quilt those quilts is entirely down to the style of quilting that you're doing and the machine and how that machine's set up. Uh, So you know, my first five quilts, that took three years to make five quilts. So it could take three years, it could take 10 years, it could take one month. It really depends on what you're using and how you're doing it and how you're putting it together. Now I would say quilting daily, quilting daily will dramatically improve your quilting skill in mm-hmm. very short order. Uh, once I started the free motion quilting project, I noticed just a change in my free motion quilting ability around day 45. And I mean, understand that I was shooting ahead. I was, I was stitching out and stuff behind the scenes. So it wasn't like 45 days, boom. It was more like quilting long hours for, you know, um, uh, you know, 30 to 40 days or so and, and getting so much more uh, time in on my machine. But that was when I noticed, you know, I started the project and I had been struggling to travel stitch consistently. I'd been struggling to form certain shapes consistently. Day 45, all of a sudden the design that I'd struggled with at the beginning was easy. And I remember that. I remember, being like, oh, I wonder if I should try that Paisley design again. You know, I haven't tried that. I was really bad at it back in August and it was, you know, October. And so I sat down and gave it a try and all of a sudden it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And I had no issue with stitching it. And that was when I was like, wow, this has improved my scale. This has dramatically improved my scale. So I'd say um, quilt everything you piece and, uh, you know, If you're, if you're feeling anxious about quilting your own quilts and putting those ugly, and it is, it's going to be ugly. I'm sorry. There's no ifs friends or buts about it. It's going to be ugly. We all have ugly stitches at the beginning. If you are uncomfortable about that, here's my advice. Quilt on practice sandwiches, quilt on small squares, quilt on a small scale. And that might not be your style. That might not be what you want to do. But if you quilt on an eighth inch scale, in a four inch square of fabric, you're going to get so many more repetitions within that space than you would if you quilted uh, on a bigger scale, you, you, you're going to use up and you're going to run through so much more fabric. So it might not be what you want to quilt necessarily, but uh, you'll get more bang for
1: your buck. And it's helping to um, increase and improve your, your memory exactly. of, of those patterns that you're trying to, exactly. to do.
0: All of these designs mm-hmm. are created by memorization so, it's like how you write your name in cursive, how all those letters connect. It's the same thing for free motion quilting design. So, I can break down every single design I've created into a simple set of rules. Um, so, for example, flame stitch. You stitch a flame shape, you travel stitch over a short distance. That sets the scale of the design. So, if you're wanting it to be soft, then you stitch over a half of an inch, and then you wiggle up and do an echo. An echo is an evenly spaced line from the starting line to the next line. So it's another flame shape around it, travel stitch over and keep repeating that. Then you branch off in another direction and you repeat that same shape again. So it's like a cluster effect. So that's just rules for one single design. Every single design has a different set of rules and it creates a different texture.
1: Wow, this is so helpful because I think what um, I'm going to take from this is your advice on quilting at small scale. Because I love those large, swirly. (laughs) And then I run out of my quilt sandwich so fast. (laughs) You're right. I've done five swirls. (laughs) Yeah, you get five swirls in and it's
0: done. I mean, sure, you can use that. I mean, you can use that square in more places. You could put them together and make a bed quilt out of it or something like that. But if you instead, like, make a set of coasters and they're all quilted on an eighth inch scale, then you've just gotten the same amount of quilting in a smaller amount of space and it's probably going to take time, but it's not going to take anything like the amount of time to push a quilt under your needle. Right.
1: Um, right. Any so more fine tuned control. And then do you, so then when you practice on that smaller scale, when you want to increase it to a larger scale, do you find it that that relates like it, you could easily do that or it's the same, or are you going to be too used to doing the tiny scale?
0: I mean, it depends on, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Personally, okay. I, I really feel like one thing translates to another. I mean, initially, you're aiming for memorization. You're learning the right. design. You're aiming to build the skill to echo consistently and to travel stitch consistently. Those skills translate no matter how big or how small it is. Mm-hmm. As far as the scale, all you're doing is you're basically increasing the space between the lines of quilting. So if I, I can stitch a spiral and it can be a one inch spiral, I can stitch that exact same spiral and it can be a five inch spiral. Now, the only thing that's really dramatically different on a whole machine is when you quilt big, you have to have your hands further apart and you're making more of an arm movement instead of a fingertip movement. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, can be a, a, sh- a, d- a difference. And if you're on a big, giant, bulky quilt, So the difference between a four inch square and a king size quilt is pretty dramatic, right? Right, You're going to have bulk, you're going to have weight, you're going to have all that stuff kind of pulling against you. So you've Mm got to take that into account too. So you can get a lot of bang for your buck in a four inch square. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be perfect? You know, if you want to go quilt a king, no, but it's going to give you a lot and it's not going to waste nearly as much fabric.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's cheaper. This is awesome. That's great. I, I love this. Um, yeah, I was, I have to say when I saw you all of a sudden long arm quilting, I was like in a state of shock. I'm like, wait, no, this is, this is my Leah Day, queen of machine (laughs) quilting. That is too funny. Yeah. And and, and I
0: can kind of a comment like, oh, you know, you've, Along the lines of you sold out,
1: you sold out, yeah, oh. you sold
0: out, and I mean, and and you know what? Hey, I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. And you know, it makes me smile actually because uh, I know how frustrated and how um, downright resentful I had become of my sewing machine. I, I mean, it was it was to that degree of unhappiness. And when you reach that point where the craft that you love is now becoming something that you hate, you've got to change. Mm-hmm. And, and I will absolutely raise my hand and say, sure, sold out. I'm a long arm dealer now. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I not only, you know, do long arm quilting, I sell the machines because of this, because I feel like this is so important. And I've almost become a long arm evangelist because I think mm-hmm. that it's one of those things that we have to say enough's enough. Uh, you know, I've reached a point where this is no longer fun and I want to make it fun again. And I want to make my quilts faster. I want to make them softer. I want to make quilt, you know, couch, quilts for the couch or quilts for the bed that aren't stitched to death and back Mm. again. And this is the other thing that I think is important to point out. And that is dense quilting is easier on a whole machine Mm. because it's a smaller movement. It's a, it's a finer movement. So it's really easy to quilt dense on this, on a whole machine. It's Mm. harder to do that on a long arm and have the same level of control. Uh, it's easier to make big sweeping movements on a long arm. It's easier to quilt big, giant, chunky fills. It just depends on the size of your long arm with what you can do. But you know, I I don't mind that at all, not one bit. And I know for some people that probably. Kind of turns them off from my channel now, and that's okay. I'm not for everybody. No one is for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can try and be the every woman for everything, and it's not going to work. You've got to pick a niche, go after that niche, and do your thing and do what you love. What I found, and this was really interesting, it was not a pleasant experience, but at the same time, it definitely kind of you know, you need these wake up calls. And I had a big wake up call this last fall. And uh, I went to a quilt festival. This was the first time I ever attended. And I was there hanging out with Grace Company in their booth and doing some demos and stuff. And people started coming up to me and saying hi and oh my gosh, you're Leah Day and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then they would start talking about me in, in past tense. They would say, what? Oh, I used to I used to follow your channel. Oh, I used to watch your videos. Oh, I used to enjoy the Free Motion Quilting Project. And they said this enough, and it was enough different people that I was like, I'm starting to pick up a trend here. I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> what I realized was that I helped people through a certain stage in their quilting and then they grew past me. They grew past what I was sharing. Oh, they moved on. And I stuck staying and doing the same thing. And Mm -hmm. and so and that's the thing about growth is that we're constantly growing and changing and becoming better quilters. Mm -hmm. And I had kind of gotten into this niche of sharing beginner information. And that's not a bad thing. That's where the bulk of, you know, new quilters are. And that's a great place to be. But the downside is a lot of people were enjoying my work and then going away and not coming back for more. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like getting into long-arm quilting and sharing these new tutorials and innovating in this way has been very, very good for me. And
1: I'm very happy to be doing it. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I did go to Quilt Festival. Um, Just um, what was it in? The end of March here in Chicago. And that was, that's like the last time they're going to be here. I was so sad, but I did stop by the Grace booth and they let me try out their long arm. The, I've, I've gotten a nice, like every time I go to these quilt shows, I try out the, all the different long arms. I've sat down at, um, the mid arms, um, or the sit down ones, uh-huh. um, and tried them out. And I definitely love the feel of the long arm machines. I just, you know, I know some people, it's not for them, and that's, you know, that's based on personal. Preference, yeah, but um, but I can't wait. I really I look forward to to the day that I can get a long arm, and um, that's why I like I love watching your videos on it. Um, So uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. But if you guys, if listeners, go to quilt shows, try out the long arms. Don't be shy because um, those companies are really um, generous, and they offer you whatever you want to do on their machines, and they're all different, and you gotta just. Don't be afraid. I mean, I made some wobbly paisleys and everything, but that's I didn't. I, I didn't care. I'm just like, I just want to feel this machine, and I want to, you know, just experience it, and just make sure that this is still like what I want. And it was so. Uh,
0: yeah. And that's the thing. It's um. You know, I go to shows and stuff and just check things out, and mm-hmm. and it. You know, it took me several shows. Uh, and I, uh, I met Gray's company finally at, uh, quilt market and it's where, uh, they were set up and was able to demo and stuff. And, um, I think that you just have to find the right fit and find a good dealer. Uh, that's very, very important. And, um, you know, the key is being able to try out the machine and play with it. And, you know, I've gone to shows where the, you know, kind of the person manning the booth is reading a magazine and not (laughs) eager to help. And I mean, that might not be the best choice. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's looking at the information. And then also, you know, before you buy something, research online and make sure that that video, you know, That machine or that long arm company is supported with video because, uh, you know, I have just recently started sharing videos on our new Q-Zone hoop frame, which is a very small frame. It only takes up about four and a half feet. And there are and, and there's been other hoop frames that have come out in the past. And they had very little video on them, mm-hmm. very little support. I mean, there's out there, but it's not a lot. Nothing like, you know, free mission culting on a home machine. That area, that, that arena is kind of flooded at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so to me, sharing videos on this little Q-Zone has been a lot of fun because it's a kind of an open playing field. There's not a lot of videos on it. And I'm having so much fun because it's challenging. It's a different type of frame. It's a different type of, of, you know, it's kind of a a different build. I put a home sewing machine on it. So Mm -hmm. I was quilting on a home sewing machine, but moving it on the frame. So that was really, really interesting. And it was a challenge. It was hard. Uh, And I had to think about things a lot more than I usually have to but I was still able to quilt an
1: entire baby quilt doing it. So, oh, I love it! it like, yeah, I saw that frame there at the quilt show. It was interesting. Yeah, it's definitely totally different because you don't roll it on the rollers. Yes. Um, and pin it and stuff like that. It's just kind of like, um, it's hoop. held into place in a hoop, like a like a like a super large embroidery hoop. <laughs> exactly, and you
0: gotta have to think about it that way. And for that mm-hmm. reason, it's not going to work the same as a three rail frame. You're gonna have to do a little bit of pinning and basting off Mm -hmm. frame. Uh, But you know, I've been playing around with ways of making that easier. And that's the that's a wonderful thing that I really, really love about this is being able to investigate, try new things, learn more. Uh, I think it's so easy to get kind of stuck in a rut of doing the same Mm -hmm. thing over and over and over again. And this is just so different.
1: You know, I love it. Yeah, that's cool. And that's great that you're doing videos on it. Um, So Let's see what. Oh, you know what? I got it. We have to talk about your goddess quilts.
0: Yes, I am working on a book right now. This year. Yes, you are. I am. And uh, this book has been more than 10 years in the making. Uh, And it's, it is an incredible body of work. And uh, I have had this book on my list for years, for years and years and years. I've said, Oh, I want to write this goddess book. And I kept putting it off. And I kept putting it off. And I kept putting it off. And finally, um, this past winter, I sat down and wrote you know, basically kind of a memoir. It was, uh, it was just kind of a series of stories and a collection of stories uh, about the last year. And I didn't end up publishing it because in the process of writing that book, and it, I don't regret, you know, setting down and writing a book in five days, that, you know, and, and doing all that work. Uh, because in the process of writing that book, I realized, you know what? The book that's actually on my mind that has been in my heart is this goddess Club book. And I have got to do it because if I don't, one day it's going to be too late one day I'm going to miss this opportunity. Um, and also the length of time. I mean, the first quilt in the series was I finished it before my son was born and he's 12. So it's like 12 and a half years ago. I was forgetting things. I was oh. seeing my memory on some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it kind of started me on this whole track of going back through my blog and rereading old blog posts and going page after page after page. And, uh, gosh, I mean, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing. Um, how much things have changed, you know, uh, and each goddess quilt has a different story. There's kind of a different theme behind them. Uh, some of these quilts have, you know, and they're all very personal. Uh, some of these quilts were about, you know, just like Release Your Light it was about wanting to share my creative energy with the world. Uh, One quilt, Hot Cast, was about, you know, wanting to learn how to love myself and, to let go of a lot of the negativity and uh, kind of my inner negative voice, which I, I did a whole other quilt about called shadow self. So I've worked through these issues and shared about it and been very, very public about it. And that's something that kind of, you know, again, I, I could put an image of myself out there. That's very, uh, here's all my highlights. Here's my best, or I can be real. And I have always, uh, erred to the side of being real and sharing my honest truth. And, and I didn't have a perfect childhood. And I'm not a perfect person. I, you know, I've shared, honestly, I stopped drinking in 2017. And that was a major pivotal moment for me. It was January 2017. I'm never going to drink again. And that was huge. Um, um, so all that's going in this book. And I'm super excited about it, because I've never read a book like this. Um, I never expected to be writing a book like this. I can I can tell you why I kept putting it off, and that's because it's hard. It's really hard to write this. It's really hard to go back through and see the mistakes I've made and see the quilts that bogged down for years. Like there have been some quilts in this series that took four or five years to finish, and there have been some quilts in the series that I one of them I burned. I just said I don't want it. I don't want it anymore. I'm going to burn it. And uh, you know, so <laughs> being able to tell all these stories has been so amazing. Um, and I realized, you know, I've never found a book like this, but this is the book I've always wanted
1: to find. So I'm going to write it. And I'm so yeah. about it. And it's so very personal and intimate, I, I feel, that you're sharing that with us. And just the goddess quilt. Now, is that something that you invented, like you created? It's it's not like an s- already developed like technique or something. It's, no. it's your, is no. it your thing?
0: Well, if you think about it, this is eternal. I mean, we have been drawing pictures of, of, you know, the female shape (laughs) since the beginning of time. Um, You know, these cults are personal to me in the sense of um, they're kind of almost self-portraits. They capture either where I am at a specific time or who I want to be. And they're not like, you know, they're not like a photograph of me. They're very stylized. They're my style, you know, of a, you know, and very symbolic too. Uh, As far as, other people doing quilts like this, I haven't seen that many, and certainly not a series like this. Uh, I haven't either. But I mean, it's totally cool. I mean, everybody can make goddess quilts. I, it, like I said, it is a
1: uh, an ancient symbol, and uh, so okay, there's that's different... what I wanted to know. What? Yeah. what is the origin of it, that? For so me, it's just simple. that makes sense. You know, like my first
0: one was I was pregnant with my son, and I wanted a symbol of a powerful. Female figure that would carry me through the birth of my son, and I made that. And I didn't actually originally call them goddesses. That was something somebody, you know, a lot of commenters and stuff online was like, Oh, tell me about your goddess quilts. And I was kind of like, I mean, I felt a little squishy about that term for a long time. Mm -hmm. It was like, They're powerful women, you know, (laughs) like that. I wanted to call them something else. But (laughs) goddess was, it just ended up being an easier term that, Mm -hmm. that was more understandable. And then now these days, I own it. You know, and I can say, right. this is an impressive series. This, these are beautiful quilts. And in that, you know, in the way that they helped change my life, they are goddesses in their own way. So, you know, and it doesn't mean anything religious is, I guess, another thing I should preface to.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, this is fantastic. I i am really interested in it. So I can't wait for your book to come out. And speaking of books, you've really become an author. Like, yeah, I mean, you love writing, I really do. And
0: this is the thing, I, I kind of finally really started to own that in 2017. Uh, I wrote uh, a new book uh, that's Explore Walking Foot Quilting with Leah Day and self published that. Uh, and that was when I, really when I kind of turned a corner and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn all the whole process. Uh, I'm going to start laying out my books. I'm going to start doing my own photography. I So I bought a DSLR camera and started shooting my own photos and shooting in-progress shots on my machine. Um, I, you know, that book, I did pay a layout artist and I realized during that process, you know, I can probably do this myself too. And it takes more time to ha- wear all the hats. It takes a lot more time. Sure does. <laughs> so develop much more control that you can have over the process. And instead of having someone else produce the files and have errors with the printer and that takes days and days and days and end up costing mm-hmm. me thousands of dollars in shipping costs I can control that you know and that level of control is something I really really need I am kind of a control freak I will be completely <laughs> <laughs> so, you, know, so funny. I, you know you know I went from there and I had a, a book idea that was really in my heart from the time that my son was like in kindergarten Um, I was walking a lot at the time. I'd drop him off at the bus stop and then I'd walk around the mall. And I started idea kind of popped into my head about a little girl and she was learning how to quilt and she, you know, had this amazing grandmother who was teaching her. And then there was this whole fantasy element to it where maybe she goes inside of a quilt and has this adventure. And I went from there and it took me five years to learn how to write fiction But that became Mally the Maker and the Queen and the Quilt. And so this is a quilt fiction or quilt fantasy series. Uh, First book came out last year. Uh, Because of the Goddess Quilt book, I pushed back the next book in this series until next year. But basically tells the story of Mally the Maker. Uh, She goes into a magical world called Quilst. And everyone thinks I'm misspelling the world word quilts because it's Q-U-I-L-S-T, but it's uh-huh. not misspelled. That's the name of the world. Um, and in this world, she makes friends. Um, everything made out of fabric can come to life. So she has a Miss Bunny doll, and she brings Miss Bunny in with her, and Miss Bunny comes to life. And also quilt blocks. So if you make a bear's claw block and you bring it into quilst, it will become a real bear. Uh, wow. And so that becomes a plot point within the book. Uh, of course, there's an evil bad guy that's out to destroy everything. Uh, <laughs> has this amazing adventure. And um, and then it's rolled off. So um, that was the first book. Uh, I then designed a Miss Bunny doll. And the, the kind of the background of Miss Bunny is uh, this was a real doll that I grew up with. And I lost her. And I kind of wrote that in the book. Was that sense of devastation and loss of losing that special stuffed animal is it's it is actually heartbreak and i put that in the book and that really was healing to me and then to be able to recreate my miss bunny doll as close as i could from memory into a real doll has been amazing and then now i get to see miss bunnies i've turned it into a pattern and now I'm seeing Miss Bunnies being made all over <gasps> and that's just, it's amazing. It's
1: really, you, really cool. don't you love that? Oh my gosh. It's so inspiring. Just from what you've talked about on this, because you have shared a lot and I think, I feel like this is amazing how you do this too, that you're able to share updates and progress um, as you're in it. Like you're in the process. You don't yeah. wait until the end till you're done. And then you're like, oh, okay, this is what I have. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it, and it, not everybody can do that.
0: Well, you know, there's a lot in the quilting world, there's a lot of secret sewing.
1: Yes. Um, you know, if you work with another company,
0: then there's secrets, you know, there's like, Oh, well, this, we got to wait for this to come out until June, or we've got to wait for this to come out till Christmas. And I hate that. It, it's impossible to for me, because I, I have that, you know, energy and excitement about something mm-hmm. while I'm in it. And it's really hard to generate and manufacture that at the end. And I'm so excited. Well, you know what? That was six months ago and I've largely forgotten that project. To be mm-hmm. completely honest, that's how my energy works. It doesn't work for me to work so hard on something 18 months. This is why fabric design doesn't work for me. It's super mm-hmm. hard to work on something and then not see it again for 18 months. And it's like, oh, there's that thing that I designed 18 months ago. And I, I guess I still like it. I don't know. You know? Oh, that's so 2018. I <laughs> I have have a hard time with that. I really do. So when I'm sharing, it's like, this is what I'm working on this week. I don't do secret sewing. You know, Mm -hmm. when I have a company that I'm working with, you know, I kind of just, I design it and I send it off and I don't even mention it in the podcast. It's not even a thing. And then when I, you know, like when something happens or, you know, something comes out, then it's like, okay, now I need to make something new with that thing that I can be excited about, that I can bring that energy into. Mm -hmm. And then that works. Um, But yeah, fabric design was one of those things that I just, I tried it out, I gave it a good go. And I decided that's not for me for that reason. It's just too far out. Now, that being said, I'm working now with print on demand fabrics, where I can upload, and it's ready to go. And there's no Mm -hmm. wait time, you know, Mm -hmm. so that is working much better for my how I work in my creative Mm -hmm. flow than the more traditional fabric design series and stuff like that.
1: But you know uh, why else that you can do this successfully is that, you know, you're developing this, this is your control thing, but it's under you, your brand, you're controlling, controlling it. And you don't have to, um, you know, fabric design, these designers have to work with these fabric companies and they're under their umbrella. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot more restrictions and and rules.
0: Yeah, and in my opinion, a lot less money to be made. I mean, this is and this is my judgment. Now, could I could I sell as much? Uh, you know, like let's say the last thing I just designed for Spoonflower was a Miss Bunny panel. Okay, so you can make Miss Bunny, you can cut her out and sew her together completely from a panel. You don't even need pattern. Um, could you know, I sell so much more of that if it was put out through a major fabric company. Absolutely. But I'm going to be making 10 cents a yard on that mm-hmm. fabric. You know, that's kind of average. Mm-hmm. When I upload that to Spoonflower, I mean, sure, it's more expensive per yard. It's like 17, 18 bucks a yard on the retail mm-hmm. end, but I'm making a twenty-five mm-hmm. per yard. So my per yard amount is so much more. I get to advertise that. I get to put that out there and say, hey guys, you know, that." then it's based on, how much I'm willing to promote it. Right. And it's, yeah. it's yours. It's mine. It's your design. And no one's going to tell me, hey, you can't, sell, we're not, we're out and we can't sell it anymore. No one's going to tell me that it's out. Right. Of print. right. And that's the mm-hmm. main main thing I can say. I can thank my father-in-law and my husband for really teaching me about the traditional publishing market. They were writers and, mm-hmm. uh, and they had experience with having books come out and then go out of print. And it's devastating because you have this book, you have this body of work, you've got you know, the story that you've told, it's important to you, and here's this publisher who's basically looking at their balance sheet going, you know, we're not going to print it again. And it's frustrating because there's that time that you put into it and it's now uh, worthless. I mean, you've got, you've got as much as you could make out of it and then that's it. But mm-hmm. on the internet, especially these days, it does not take into account the long tail, which means... A pattern, just for an example, I came out with a pattern in 2014, okay? That's building blocks. Super successful pattern. It's still selling today. If I had come out with that as a book and gone through a major publisher, number one, it would have taken double the length of time to come out, so it wouldn't have hit the timing that I needed. And then number two, at some point, they would have said, hey, the publisher might have even gone out of business by this point. I mean, Mm -hmm. that length of time, AQS went out of business, and I think, uh, what is it, FNW Media just filed for uh Banker. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, you know, in that length of time, the publisher might not even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they did, then what if they had said, hey, we don't want to publish anymore, or we don't want to do another print run of this, then that pattern would no longer be available, which means I would no longer be making money off of it. Right. So retaining control, yes, it's more work. Yes, it's absolutely, I can tell you, there are days that I'm like, this is driving me nuts. And it does make <laughs> me angry because it's like, I am wearing too many hats and that's when I really have to carve out and go, you know, Mm -hmm. this is prioritized. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I need, you know, and I'll I'll just say, Josh, you need to do this, this, and this, and, you know, (laughs) divide it all up, divide and conquer, you know, and I, and I get really kind of, I become the (laughs) leader of the business and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's what I'm supposed to do. I'm the business owner, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So, but there are times it's frustrating, but in the end after every single project is done, I look at it and I go, I'm so glad that I do what I do because I have so much more control. I'm planning large print for this goddess book. And large print basically doesn't exist in the quilting world because it's expensive. And Mm -hmm. and this book is probably going to cost double the price because it's going to be double the pages. Is it going to be like a coffee table book then? Um, No, I I probably won't change the print, the the overall size. It'll just be thicker. Oh, okay. Uh, It'll just be thicker. It might end up having to be hardback. I don't know. But it will be large print. Um, I can do audiobook. Yeah. Uh, I can do any kind of ebook in the world. And audio is definitely something I'm getting into with Mally, the maker too. And these are things that if I didn't retain rights, I wouldn't be able to necessarily do, or I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to control how it was being done. Yes. So yeah, I'm absolutely kind of a <laughs> go get it. You know, do, do self, do it yourself. Do self. I,
1: I love it. It's so, you are so inspiring to me and um, I just learned so much. And I, I love that you um just like you said earlier, you just put it all out there. You're not just presenting this pretty wrapped up package of like, I'm so great and I accomplished all this stuff with zero mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's wonderful. It's so and- wonderful. And it's gotta be rewarding to to have like like you're talking about all the headache and it's it is a lot of work. And sometimes I feel like that too, just being myself and you know, like <sighs> I'm doing everything <laughs> yeah yeah it's, and it and takes hard. longer yeah. but in the end once you accomplish your goal and you accomplish it it is so fulfilling and rewarding and you're proud of yourself so yeah, yeah and yeah. so too it's it's
0: the knowledge that and then maybe this is kind of a little bit more of my control freaky nature is the knowledge that it can't be taken away from me you know like um just for an example I can take my my walking foot book and I need to do an update on that book and kind of change some diagrams I have the power to do that And uh, versus, you know, a traditional publisher probably wouldn't. And, you know, so I have the power and the control. And I love that. And it's not perfect. There are bad days. That is the case of every job of every business. But would I rather the thing I always come back to is would I rather be doing anything else? And the answer is no, I would not survive as an employee of somebody else's business, because I would drive <laughs> the business owner crazy. It'd be like, so are you going to change this and this and this and this? And that's not perfect. You know, I would be I would be that nitpicky person that drives you crazy. Right. So I have got to run the ship and and steer the ship and stuff. But I, um, I have had to work the most on delegating. Because I'm a control freak, that has been the hardest part of the process for me is delegating. And to be able to hand the videos, especially off to my husband and say, I need this edited today. And to let him do it and not Mm -hmm. nitpick and stuff. It's very hard. um, You know, like dad, like I've even started saying, you know, I need this pattern. You know, can you design this? And my dad has a design background from uh, not not anything to do do with fabric with metal work and uh, being a tool and dye maker, but he knows how to measure and he knows how to cut and he can do it. So he designed a, uh, a monkey wrench quilt that we're working on right now. And we've been working on it for two weeks. So I said, Dad, I'm sick of that monkey wrench quilt and I haven't it. <laughs> so he designed it and he's piecing it right now. And, and then I'm going to do the videos on quilting it.
1: Oh, that's uh, so cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. The key. Uh, and the thing I think is most important is giving credit to these people that help me do this yes. because I absolutely could not be doing this alone. I mean, I've at a point I can absolutely say I could not pack orders and check email and do Josh's job and do dad's job and do what I'm doing. I, I would not have the output. Like what you mm-hmm. see coming out every week is thanks to three people behind the scenes working every day.
1: You know, yeah, it's so important because you would certainly burn out. Totally. Yeah. Well, it just yeah. wouldn't be possible. I could come out with one video. It be possible right yeah
0: the the side of it that's hard is the fear side of it of putting a lot of time and a lot of energy into something that might not sell and that is in every single product that's in my goddess book even though i have a lot of hope and ambition that that this is going to be successful the truth of the matter is there is absolutely no guarantees in life in anything i have put months and months of work into products that have not panned out not everything i've ever touched has worked you know, mm-hmm. I have had bad years, I whole years that have been really, really hard. And we've had to eat a lot of red beans and rice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all perfect and it's not always easy. And that fear side of it is the hardest part of just saying, I trust myself. I'm going to try this. It might be weird. It might be different. It might be too pink. I don't know, but let's just try it. Mm-hmm. And then with every single project I make, I learn something new. And that's the only way I can improve.
1: Right, and the difference is, um, and this is where I, you know I need to push myself more. Is that you know your your goddess book may never have happened or come out if you hadn't have tried all this other stuff and and failed, and you're to the point now where you're 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 willing to take the risk, yeah. And, And and, and it drives you forward. I think it propels you. Yeah. And I just have to remember that for myself, too, is to, you know, I'm I'm constantly fighting that perfectionism thing. So, yeah. And And no one doesn't buy your pattern because of one misstitched. You know, that's
0: not the reason why somebody doesn't buy a pattern or something like that. They Mm -hmm. don't buy a pattern because it costs too much or they don't like the quilt on the cover. You know, that's the reason why. And yes, you're absolutely right. I feel like for years I've done the thing that I thought would sell. And a lot of that was spending a lot of time on quilt alongs. And I don't regret it. Not a bit. But I've reached a point with quilt alongs where I've kind of I've I've done a certain style and a certain thing so many times. And it's great fun. It's awesome. We learn a lot. But I've done it to death. And it's time to change. And so next year, I'm not doing a quilt along. Next year, I'm just focusing in on books and uh and you know, and just being a good publisher, being a good author. I'm mm-hmm. you know, planning more mali books, I'm doing more I want to do more audio, I wanna do large print, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna become a better writer, a better publisher and more speed in that area. And then shifting away from doing this kind of week you know, weekly or monthly uh big, huge giant quilt along. And the main reason was it was taking so much time. I mean, I could write three books in the amount of time it took me to design and create the quilt along I'm sharing right now. I mean, it's an awesome quilt along, and I hope you guys will come yeah. and, and join in the fun, a friendship quilt along, and you can make a twin throw, queen, king, or you know, uh, or throw size quilt with this quilt along. It's great, but I cannot express just how much work this was. And yes. it's really hard to be at this stage. This is kind of the slowdown stage. And it happens every year. I'm, no, I'm used to it. But it's a slowdown stage of this quilt along where people kind of drop out. It's okay. Uh, I'm used to it by this point. But I've reached a point where I can say, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It was great. It, it really taught a lot of people about quilting. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. I've shared basically a different quilt along every year since 2012. And oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a long time doing this. And I've reached a point where I can say, I've been there, I've done that, it's time to do something different. And that something different is becoming a better writer and publisher.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then we're, we're just of the tail end here. And we're talking about the other parts of your business. And another thing that you're doing is your Quilt Friends Club. Mm-hmm. And that is subscription based, right? Yes,
0: yes. So we did Facebook groups for years. And that was largely to support the quilt along. And then um, Facebook got too nasty. It, it really, yeah. it just got, it just became a text and talk successful. Um, And I reached a point where I was done with it. And so we shut down our Facebook groups and then I took a lot of time off of that. And I was not planning on doing anything else. I really, really wasn't. But a lot of people really wanted that interaction. They really wanted a place to share photos. They really wanted a place that they could chat with me and, you know or send me a text message easily or something like that uh, and then you know a place to make friends and so it took a long time i finally found a great platform that's mighty network and was able to build my own site and that's quiltfriends.club and then you uh, you can set the the membership and the membership is either 299 a month or 2499 a year so you get a really good discount whenever you go for the year long subscription and charging money is a it's a it's a Entry fee, you know, it's basically like, hey, you got to pay to enter, which means if you want to pay to enter, you've got to be nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you have no idea how little, like, basically none. We've not had a single bit of negativity in this group. We've never had to, you know, um, delete a post. Where I was deleting posts in the Facebook group, I was deleting upwards of five a day. It was Mm -hmm. that ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, it it was just stuff that was just like, guys, this is ridiculous. We're a quilting group, you know, um the stuff shouldn't even be coming up the the stuff. And, and, and two people were ripping off my patterns within the group too. I mean, it was like, it was just insulting, downright insulting. And I don't get any of that in the quilting friends club. So, and then I do a a special, um, a special video just for that group. It's called, how do I quilt this? Uh, and so basically members uh, can upload, upload one photo a month to a specific topic area. And then once a month, I take all of those photos that have been uploaded And I print them out and I share three different quilting design ideas. So, you know, the easy part is the piecing, you know, following a pattern, making the quilt top. The hard part is figuring out, okay, how do we quilt that in a creative way? And I'm taking into account things like the type of sewing machine that you're using, how much, you know, whether it's a long arm or, you know, on a frame or it's a home sewing machine on a table, I'm taking that into account because you can do certain things really easily on a home machine. You can't do it on a long arm and vice versa. You know, there's just differences there. I'm also taking into account, you know, if someone says, oh, I only want straight line quilting, then I specifically design straight line quilting designs. So I'm taking what my group members are needing. And then it's making me a better designer, because then I'm getting all that, you know, all these different amazing quilts that I get to mm-hmm. play with. and I don't have to piece them. <laughs> I don't have to design them. I don't have to be, yeah. I get to play with that and then come up with these three different quilting design ideas. So it's a push for me, it's a push for them. And everybody seems to be really enjoying it. And we have Um, At the time of this recording, we have four up and they are now pushing two hours a piece. Uh, Every new video I'm coming out with for that series are like they're about two hours long because there's I'm getting so many quilts.
1: Oh, wow. Now, when have you had people post after you've done how do I quilt this on and given them the three options? Have they done one of those options and posted the completion?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: amazing. Oh,
0: that is so awesome. Sometimes they take my advice and then sometimes they completely scrap it. And, you know, sometimes my idea might lead to something totally different. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's all good. You know, basically it's all good. Uh, And, and I don't, I'm, I'm always just kind of like, here's some options. And I'm always saying, this is just a starting line, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, this is just what came into my head. And I always am talking about how some days I'm feeling like circles, some days I'm feeling like feathers Mm-hmm. you know, you kind of have to just let your design inspiration flow. And I, and I don't realize that when I'm starting until about the third or fourth quilt that I'm working on. And they're like, oh, wow, guys, you know, I'm hitting the circles today. And every <laughs> single quilt has lots of circles in it. And I
1: don't know why, it's just how it's happening. And I just flow with it, you know, I just go with it. And it works. Right. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, the, the whole Facebook thing group, I, I, um, I, I just know, like, I did not want to start one for make and decorate, but I want somewhere for people to go. So you've been pretty um, inspiring with that as well. I mean, you're definitely a maverick. I just, I, I, I love that you just find solutions for whatever you need. <laughs> well, you kind of have to. <laughs> this is your sole source
0: of income. This is what supports my family. This is you know what's going to put my son through college. Uh, this is what, pays for all of my awesome quilting gear and fabric yeah. too. So yeah, I've got to, I've got to keep it afloat. I got to keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for that reason, uh, you know, that kind of is a stressor sometimes. Sometimes it's too much pressure and it's a, it's a constant kind of battle between, okay, how can I kind of take that pressure off and still have fun? And the thing I love about the Mighty Network, it you know, in the in the Quilting Friends Club is that I can actually say like, guys, this keeps the podcast going. You know, when I advertise, I mostly predominantly advertise the club through the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I can say, you know, hey guys, help support this podcast. So it continues. So my free tutorials continue. And Mm -hmm. I think people are connecting that really easily. And that is absolutely helping support us. It's about right now, what we're making is about the electricity bill. I mean, it's not a lot, but -hmm. it's something. And it helps offset the cost that I have going with the podcast because podcast is harder to create. It takes the yeah. greatest amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can shoot out a tutorial on free motion quilting and I don't have to worry about the audio mm-hmm. as much. I don't have to worry about having three different things to record it and stuff like that. That podcast is so much more effort every single week, mm-hmm. but it's so much more rewarding. So for mm-hmm. that, that's the reason why I do it. And I'm going to stick with it, you know, and I, we just hit, uh, I think the one that we just recorded with you was uh, episode
1: 106. So
0: yeah, I, I'm, I'm anytime soon. I really love it.
1: Oh cool that's so awesome and then you've got an upcoming event in June uh, yep. quilt quilt fantastic quilting seminar yes and that, that's in go ahead talk about that
0: yeah it's going to be so much fun and it's in Kingsport Tennessee uh, and Bob Bolton is a sewing machine dealer he runs the sewing and long arm center in Kingsport Tennessee and we met a VDTA, that's a Sewing Machine and Vacuum Trade Association show. And so we met last year and he came up to me, I was at the Grace booth and he was, you know, we just started to chat and he was like, I'm going to open another shop and I'd love to have you come and do an event. And we just hit it off. And then he sent me an email a couple months ago and said, Hey, do you want to do this? Um, and, you know, let's, let's actually make this a big thing. Let's do a conference center. Let's do the whole nine yards. So I went up to Kingsport and we sat down and had a chat. It's only about two and a half hours away from me, which is quite reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never done anything like this before, but Bob has. So it's awesome to be able to partner with him with this. And uh, we're going to have a great time. The morning session is going to be long arm culting. Uh, we're going to have a continuum frame and a Grace Cunique 15R set up. So I'm going to do demoing and really focus in on ruler quilting, and then quilting designs for different styles of quilts. So if you want to finish something quick, if you want to finish something with more time and more attention to the piecing, you know, kind of looking at the quilt and looking at the purpose of the quilt and planning your quilting design accordingly. So just basically kind of pulling from that, how do I quilt the series that I'm sharing on the club and really sharing a lot of that information that I've learned in the seminar. And so the morning sessions for long arms and the afternoon sessions for home sewing machine, we're going to have a whole machine set up on the new Q-zone frame. Uh, talk through that and uh, basically kind of the same information shared in both, but you can attend both and learn a lot about both styles of machines and I'll have books and rulers and I'm going to bring lots of goddess cults to that show. Aww. So it's going to be a great opportunity and I, I'm going to sign, of course, sign books and stuff. So it'll be a great opportunity just to meet a lot of people in person and I'm excited about because I need this kind of thing, you know, I can get stuck into a rut of kind of being home and alone and my antisocial introverted self and having this grand push to break everything out and get out of my comfort zone and be in front of people. I'm really excited about that. And I don't know if this will be something that we do more often, like a regular thing, but I'm open to that because to me, with how the internet has gone, and I've I've been doing this for 10 years now. I can say, you know, the inter- internet has definitely changed since I started sharing videos. And I'm at the point now, and my son is older now, too, that I can say, you know, a, a, an event once or twice a year is something we can do together as a family and have a really great time with. And it also shakes us out of our routine, which is awesome. And then if it's, a, you know, really successful for our business, too, then that takes the pressure off of everything else.
1: Because right.
0: like, wow, okay, well I don't mm-hmm. have to um, I don't have to run as many sales. I don't have to um, just obsess about the success of this product or that product or, or the other thing. I, I can really just focus on that event making that event as successful as it can be.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a different. Uh, I wish I could go to that. I, I wish also that they would video that and even if they sell it, I mean, that's an idea. That would be so cool. Yeah, they- oh, I like that very
0: nice I'll mention that to Bob we are going to have audiovisual going because um I'm going to be demoing of course and I've, I've already said let's have a camera so that way we can shoot and have it on a big screen so I'm going to bring cameras so we'll see if we can make that happen and I All think right. <laughs> having a DVD or you know an online video come out of that would be really cool
1: yeah and even if they just did you know an online YouTube with just highlights from it. I mean, that would even be cool, too. Exactly. So I would love that. All right. Oh, my gosh, I think I think that's it. I mean, I could continue talking to you for like years, but (laughs) (laughs) all good things have to come to an end. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really had a great time. Thank you for coming on the show. I just really appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'm going to have to have you come back. Like when your goddess book comes out, maybe or something. That would be awesome. That would be great. Yeah, really great. Okay, well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. You can find the show notes and the podcast episodes on my website at stephaniesochadesign.com. And I appreciate any ratings, reviews and comments that you uh, would like to post and give me feedback on Instagram or wherever you are at. Okay, bye.